Thunder Media. Sometimes it just feels like it's always bad news. Yeah, literally in the in the last few days, it's all sort of imploded. There's a lot of he said, she said, and all of this, and race seemed to be uh, supposedly content with with keeping their investment. A lot of Kiwis are pretty upset, uh, and I think rightly like rightly so. But yeah, it, I guess it was one of those things that it was it was kind of inevitable. You know, there were always these stories coming out, maybe once every two or three years in the local rags saying, oh, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the, the horse racing people to, to stop motor racing there. And, you know, the, the Pukekohe never really embraced the race and, and it's modern sort of take since, like, since post-Hamilton. Today, the good news is Simon Chapman joins us. After moving from Speed Cafe to Wide World of Sports, we have him on the show to talk about the boulevard of broken dreams that surrounds supercars at this stage of 2022. It's a fascinating chat and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Revelle, and we're joined by a man who not only crossed the ditch, but also crossed the employment schedule and uh, moved south to uh, Simon Chapman, has joined the Nine Network. Yeah, sports journalist still, um, but with a, a focus on motorsport, working uh, with the, the Nine Wide World of Sport guys and Stan Sport. So, yeah, there's... Um a lot, a lot of, lot of coverage going on in terms of motorsport for Stan. Um, you know, they're really pushing IndyCar and Speed Series at the moment among all their products. So, yeah, plenty for me uh, to, to sink my teeth into. I'm sure you would have been fascinated to see the way in which the new organisation that owns Supercars, the series, race the uh, way in which things have been developing there and there seems to be a certain amount of implosion occurring. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating one. Like, where do you start? You know, it's... Less than a year since the transaction, and you know, around the time of Bathurst last year, we had that that fantastic six-day event. There were some really positive signs there. You know, the fact that we had supercars leading the bill uh, with you know, some really good ARG categories. You know, TCR, Trans Am, um, to name just two of them. You know, it seemed like it was heading in the right direction, and then, yeah, literally in the in the last few days, it's all sort of imploded. Barry Rogers and Gary Rogers, who was sort of leading the discussions on the RG side, have come out uh, all guns blazing, saying they're, they're extremely unhappy uh, with how uh, race is being run. They feel like they're being kept out of the loop. They feel like their wishes aren't being heard. Uh, you know, talks of, of meetings and them being exclusive, excluded from those meetings. You know, one of the fundamental things that we've we got to remember in all this is that last year when the sale process was happening. There were three groups, basically. You know, there was ARG, 
side of things, there was Henslow and um, Barclay Nettlefold, and then obviously the Peter Addison Consortium, which ultimately fell over. You know, Barclay and Nettlefold, you know, they went and put their hand out to ARG and said, we, didn't, we need your help to make this work for us. You know, so ARG conceivably could have done it all on their own, but obviously that United front was, was considered to be the stronger effort, at least by those who were selling supercars, and ultimately they got, got the win. But in all of that, ARG, you know, one of the key things for them was that, you know, we want we want a, a cohesive sort of mix of, of categories, you know, supercars supported by Trans Am and TCR and all those other categories and create a really good program that's beneficial for everyone. And, and that hasn't played out the way that ARG really had hoped. So now you've you basically got a, a big faction on one side saying we're not happy and we and we want out. So yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, I wouldn't be surprised if soon enough those that side of the business is for sale. Um, it's certainly possible. You know, those are some pretty strong words from from Barry and Gary Rogers. Yeah, so public and so quickly. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of commentary the last few days. Um, it's yeah, going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next few days and, and weeks and months. It seems like it was a marriage of convenience and that the two parties hadn't really worked out their roles and their shared goals. And now what we're seeing is perhaps an offer come in and the details on the offer haven't been, other than an offer came in, they haven't been too uh, specific I do wonder if there is a case of race were happy to sell the ARG part, but perhaps the international buyers said, actually, we want the ARG part and the supercar part. We don't need you. And that's where it might have fallen over. Yeah, there's a lot of conflicting stories at the moment. Yeah, what's what's been reported isn't necessarily everything that's that's happened behind the scenes, you know. There's even been some rumours that, um, you know, whilst the initial story that came out was that um, race pushed them away, there's also some suggestions that maybe even that group from Europe walked away from the deal because that had information withheld. And when they found out what was happening, um, they said no. So it's an interesting one because there's a lot of he said, she said and all of this. And race seemed to be... Uh, supposedly content with with keeping their investment, whilst at the t- same time also trying to get loans to to make it work. So, yeah, uh, it's a funny one because it doesn't it doesn't strike me as being a super sound business at the moment. You know, there's a lot of infighting and a lot of unhappy people uh, and a lot of rumours indicating that. Yeah, it's it's not a happy place to be at the moment. Realistically, you know, supercars doesn't necessarily need ARG in all of this. You know, they they seem to be reasonably happy with the support cards that that they've got. Um, it's more so ARG saying, well, you know, we were trying to achieve something. You said that you were going to endorse that, and that was basically the main reason why ARG got involved in the first place with Henslow and Nettlefold and. And now it hasn't happened. So, you know, from that point of view, I think probably ARG are, are right to be upset that they haven't had their, their side of the bargain upheld. One of the things, Simon, that I thought has been interesting this year is that <laughs> there's been a, quite a few off-the-air uh, comments made to me by team owners about the uh, lack of uh, visibility for uh, the new race group and any sort of public comments from it all. 
I'm sure you would have uh, come across the same sort of thing. Yeah, well, it's that's definitely the case. You know, a lot of a lot of team owners that I spoke to when I was in the the paddock a lot more regularly than I am now were saying, you know, we haven't really heard a lot. You know, race haven't really said much, and they're all sort of kind of going, "What's going on?" Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating just to sort of see the lack of of comms, you know, and that, and that's not to say, you know, that Archer beforehand, you know, were, were super forthcoming in in their side of things, but we always sort of accepted that Archer were on the way out. You know, they they weren't really here for a long time, and there was a there was sort of an air of expectation with this group that you know race was going to revolutionise supercars and make some really big changes and and come out swinging. And you know, there were there were some really good stories doing the rounds behind the scenes of of what was maybe possible but we haven't really seen any of that and it hasn't really delivered to, to the team's expectations i don't think some teams will be happy to say on the record that it's all happy days and they're just you know content doing what they're doing but at the moment there's yeah the comms are pretty are pretty few and far between tla seems to be completely unsighted in this relationship yet they were a big part of the whole marketing of what this partnership was going to be yeah, and it just hasn't happened, right? And I don't know how much you can blame COVID on this. You know, there's there's plenty of rumours basically doing the rounds that say that race don't have money. They just don't have enough money to to make it work. And and that's kind of been proven to a degree where there are these stories coming out saying, oh, you know, they've got to get loans, um, you know, to to prop things up. So it's hard to say one way or another, right? Until until something actually happens and something actually changes. You know, it's a lot of hearsay. Until then, I think the next thing, uh, you know, in terms of tangible moves is that, you know, ARG probably sell out. Um, and then who knows what, what happens from there. You know, the talk of of this group from Europe, like, wanting to buy in and then race saying no, because but even though that would potentially return a 20%, you know, profit on that. and But then race are also, like, struggling for money, supposedly. So, yeah, it's a, it's very, it's a very confusing setup. And some of the things that we probably would have liked to have seen haven't really happened yet. Maybe they're just waiting for Gen 3 and sort of consolidating while, while Gen 2 is still hanging about. But, you know, the, the teams, you speak to the teams and, and uh, they're sort of saying, you know, we haven't seen the things that we would have, we would have liked to have seen by now. Indeed. Um, it's interesting that uh, most recently we've heard that uh, Shane Van Gisbergen was maybe not told summarily, but suggested he didn't drive a Trans Am. We we understand that it may well have been that Supercars told Jamie Wincup to tell Shane not to do it, and now Brody Kostecki will be doing it. It's uh, an interesting development in this whole scenario. How much how much can drivers do? Are they allowed to do? Yeah, well, that's assuming that Brody does get to race. You know, we still haven't had confirmation that that'll happen. Um, we had a, a press release embargoed come to us that said that, that Brody was going to be re- driving that car in place of Shane, and then that was quickly rescinded. There were a few stories sort of after the fact, which were kind of odd, that was sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to I'd love to drive one of these cars. We've always sort of known that Brody loves NASCAR and he, and he loves to drive these things, but there's still... It's still a little, a little bit, to, a little bit of water to go under the bridge there. I still think Erebus need to um, maybe get some form of, I guess, verification from supercars that he can race. You know, Peter Addison's a big proponent of of sponsoring those guys, and I think he's really keen to to see that happen. But if supercars have said to Jada, 
tell Shane he can't drive, well then I can't see how they're going to somehow let Brody drive. Now, if there if there was any sort of maybe suspicion that these two categories were rivals, you know, we've definitely got confirmation now that they are because supercars are saying, no, nah, you, you can't go driving these cars, which do bear a striking resemblance to the Ford Mustang and supercars and the Chevrolet that's going to be running around under the Gen 3 regulations next year. It doesn't make sense really for J-Dub to be more than for chain around in T cars and rally cars without any drama and then say, oh, no, you can't, you can't drive this, this car, this Trans Am car. So it's fascinating. I think the, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I think this, this could well be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for, for ARG. You know, ARG is a, a good, solid sort of company, but it does need um, some of those stars to really attract some eyeballs to it. I mean, having Shane there, you know, Barry, Barry said, you know, you would have got 1,000 or 2,000 more people to, to QR to watch him. And I, and I truly believe that because we saw that at New, New Zealand Grand Prix. We've seen that at the rallying on the weekend. He's, he's a star. He, he brings people to the racetrack, you know, and supercars have gone out there and said, nah, we're not going to have that. Well, the good thing is we're back to racing this weekend, tail and bend. And you can certainly say that it is a Ford-dominated track that uh, since the launch of the Mustang, that they won 10 of the 13 pole positions, 10 of the 13 races, and three different Ford teams have done that winning, albeit the majority by Dick Johnson and Anton in recent times. So it's certainly a track that uh, should be a reversal of the ones we've been to so far this year. Yeah, you'd probably expect that. It's always, I guess, the bend has always been considered to be a bit of a Ford stronghold. Uh, we've had, obviously, some aero changes that have brought the, the Commodore closer to the Mustang. But, yeah, like you say, Fords have really ruled the roost there. But, you know, Shane Van last year, he got a second and a third. He, he put on a good fight against Cameron Waters in that last race. You know, I, I wouldn't rule out Triple Eight going well there. They did test recently with Brock Feeney, so that will certainly help their cause. To be honest, I, I would love to see Grove Racing go well. I think they're due for a good result, and especially considering what Andre Heimgartner did there last year, uh, you would expect with the, the developments that that team has made since since then that they should go well. You know, that team's made some big strides forwards. They have they have struggled a little bit lately, but just considering the, the amount of development and investment that's gone into those two cars, I would really hope that, that Grove Racing do get up, and I would also expect um, DJR to be in fine form, like it's it's definitely not out of the question that someone like Anton Di Pasquale rocks up there this weekend and just clean sweeps the weekend. You know, he was fast there last year. He should have won two races. Unfortunately, he had that engine issue there uh, in the last one. So, yeah, I, I expect those guys to to go really well. And, and Will Davison's on a really a really good run of form as well as well. Davo's been so fast; it's hard to believe that he might not be there next year. Oh, I think. The, the rumours around Will Brown sort of came and went. Um, Will Davo is doing an exceptional job. I think there was sort of some chat, you know, towards the start of the season that, okay, if, if Davo doesn't pick up his game, well, then, you know, we might be looking elsewhere. But he, he really has answered his critics. And I think just about every member of the media community can pretty confidently say that Will has done enough to keep his spot. You know, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why he should be out of that side at the end of this year. He's in, he's in tip top shape. He's getting the results and at times is, is beating Anton, you know, and matching him. So yeah, 
you, you can't get rid of Will Davo at the moment. He's, he's doing a stellar job. I'd expect him to stick around. We see the fascinating development with the change of government in South Australia, meaning that the Adelaide 500 returns, and there's already a date set in December. I'm sure that it would be one event that you'd like to get to. Of course. I think when the Adelaide 500, uh, when it was announced that that was no longer going to, to happen anymore, uh, there was a, a massive, I guess, yeah, outcry. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a rare instance, a rare success story of, you know, vocal people making something happen, you know, like in, in motorsport at least. You know, a lot of the time in motorsport we're, we're dealt these big blows and we have this big outcry and a lot of the time you can't save it. But, yeah, this is a very rare and, and unique case where the people have really stood up for what they wanted. They voted with their feet and they've made it happen. And it'll be fantastic to see what that event looks like. I, I would love for that event to be bigger and better than when we last had it. Obviously, the government haven't got as much time to play with to to make that happen. I think a big music headliner will, will help their cause uh, massively just to get people through the through the gate. South Australia probably has lacked uh, post-COVID as far as events go um, and, and even just as far as music goes. You know, there's there are not many touring artists that actually go to Adelaide. So if somehow the, the South Australian government can convince a, a big headliner to come down, then, yeah, that'll really give everyone in Adelaide a, a massive boost. So, yeah, that event's going to be amazing. I think it's just going to be cool to have supercars back there and, and hopefully there for, for a long time to come. Yeah, and the rumour was that the Foo Fighters were going to be the headline act, but with the uh, untimely death of Taylor Hawkins, that seems now not to be likely. And uh, the question is still out, who might be the uh, the big headline act? Yeah, there's no real obvious uh, option at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think you'll I think you'll see something come out. I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we don't get a massive headliner, just because of the landscape of travelling at the moment and all the rest of it, and just looking at other other bands that are touring around that time. I think a lot of people sort of put two and two together and went, oh, you know, Foo Fighters haven't got a date in Adelaide around the time that supercars are on. Maybe they could squeeze that in, and that's sort of how I think that rumour came about. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they get maybe a really big Australian act or, or maybe a lesser-known international act. But, yeah, it would be good. It would be good to see what that event looks like when it, when it comes back. Yeah, I've been hearing uh, powder finger and all sorts of rumours, but I figured if Tony couldn't get powder finger back together for the AFL grand final, I don't know how they'd uh, come down to Adelaide for the uh, 500. Yeah, for sure. Craig is actually talking about Tony Cochran, not Tony Whitlock. The last subject that really we uh, wanted to get your feel on was the one probably closest to your heart, and that being Pukekohe, a track I first went to in 1996. No, I didn't. I went earlier than that. But 20 years uh, in the supercar era, and uh, I'm sure that your countrymen have been telling you wide and loud that this is wrong and shouldn't happen and all those sorts of things, Simon. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Kiwis are pretty upset, uh, and I think rightly, like, rightly so. Um, you know, when I found out that, that it was happening, it was a bit of a, a, a blow to the guts, uh, especially considering you know that was the that was the first ever racetrack I went to um, all those years ago. Um, but yeah, it, I guess it was one of those things that it was it was kind of inevitable. You know, there were always these stories coming out maybe once every two or three years. 
in the local rags saying, oh, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the, the horse racing people to, to stop motor racing there. And, you know, the Pukekohe never really embraced the race in, in its modern sort of take since, like, since post-Hamilton. So, yeah, I think there was there was kind of a death knell there waiting. Um, and it was sort of when they started talking about, you know, property surrounding the area being for sale, it was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe maybe this place isn't as, as safe as we thought. You know, a lot of people sort of rest on their laurels a bit and go, you know, it's the home of it's the home of motorsport in New Zealand. There's no way that they can get rid of it. Um, but even with all the signs pointing towards the fact that it's that it was going to go, you know, it still came as a shock. You know, much like when 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 the Holden announcement was made, you know, everyone sort of expected it to come eventually. But when it when it comes, you're like, oh wow, okay, yeah, this is this is actually happening. Um, and it is one of those cases where we, you know, as much as there was outcry, there's not a whole lot that you can do in that situation. It's sort of just one of those things that that happens. So. Yeah, Pukekohe will be no more in in less than a year. Uh, I don't know whether they're actually going to tear up the racetrack as such, but you know they're certainly going to redevelop parts of it and, and make it a more focused around horse racing, which is what the club wants, apparently. Interestingly, of course, it's a foretaste of uh, what's to come probably with the near demise of Sandown, which is not a similar position because Sandown, it's the likelihood of disappearing as a, both a race course for horses and cars, and it might become a rural, or not a rural, a uh, suburban development. So this is uh, forewarning the crowd that get ready that uh, Sandown's end is nearby. Obviously, it's, uh, it's a great little track and uh, one that will be sadly missed. But the, the, the wonderful thing is that there's a man called Tony Quinn nearby who's got uh, a number of tracks that are alternatives, including one not far away in Hampton Downs, or a little bit further, another 30 or 40 k's down to Tarpo. I would think that Hampton will be a much better track than Tarpo. Your thoughts? I I think Hampton Downs has to be the logical choice. You know, it was the first choice for supercars when we had that really bizarre setup where supercars uh, only found out fairly late in the piece that they couldn't race at Pukekohe on Anzac Day weekend because of Auckland Council bylaws. Uh, so, you know, there were the wheels were sort of put in motion for us to race at Hampton Downs. Obviously, that didn't happen because of COVID. So, yeah, from that, you would say, yeah, okay, Hampton Downs is, is the logical choice. There are lots of options in, in New Zealand. I think, you know, like you say, Topol is probably the other logical one, but it sort of has the, the problem that it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and it doesn't really have much of a population catchment around it that it can really target you know logically you want to be as close to Auckland and Hampton Downs is is sort of smack bang in the the middle between Auckland and Hamilton and at least you know you've got the best part of 1.2 million people potentially to to go to that event there's still probably some hurdles that they need to get over at Hampton Downs if they are to race there you know there's some stuff around uh you know crowd restrictions you know there was chat around the time of them going there uh, in the COVID era, that they needed to get some permits uh, to change it from 20,000 to 60,000 people per day. I don't actually know how the motorways would cope with having such a massive influx of people. I remember when the World Rally Championship went there for a stage, and I think it was 2008, um, maybe even a little bit later, might, be, might have even been 2011, you know, the, the motorway just came to an absolute crawl. Uh, so, that, so, you know, transport's going to be a big, a big drama for them should they go there. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of hurdles. You know, one other thing, assuming they go on the international track, um, that 
probably people haven't thought about is, you know, there's maybe some modifications that need to be made to the track to maybe include some more walls. I'm not sure that that would maybe get the, the certification that it needs. If you spare off the road down at what would be turn two, you might actually end up in a paddock. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I think, you know, there's another big hurdle as well that you've got to consider. You know, the benefit of, of Auckland at the moment and the Pukekohe event is that it's it's got money behind it. You know, it's got Auckland Unlimited, what was a teed, uh, backing that financially. And one of the big hurdles when they were talking about going to Hampton Downs was that, you know, they they didn't have a local government supporting that. And even Atid were really reluctant to support that event when they were going to go there in the midst of that pandemic. So it could literally just come down to dollars in terms of the circuit they go to. Hampton Downs is the logical choice, but will it have the financial support from the local governments to, to make that happen? You know, supercars have said... You know, we'll, we're keen to race in, in New Zealand long term, but they could very easily turn around and say, oh, well, you know, we haven't, we can't make it work financially because that, that is an event that has been supported by the government. I would actually really love to see them go to Highlands. You know, that's a, that's a tourism hotspot. You know, post-COVID, they'll be really wanting people to go down there. So maybe there's the option for uh, the local council there to tip in some money, but yeah, it remains to be seen what what that sort of looks like. I, I really do hope that we race in New Zealand again. Um, yeah, I, I know supercars have said that they they want to and that they're committed to it, but you know, until they actually put pen to paper, I'm I'm not holding my breath. Oh, Simon, it's been wonderful to talk to you again, and we'll certainly look forward to catching up with you uh, in person. Glad to hear you've certainly landed in somewhere that's going to keep you busy and giving you a, a great opportunity to. Uh, widen the information and news to the uh, motorsport uh, fans out there so Simon thanks all, all very much for joining us on Inside Supercars cheers boys Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device search Inside Supercars The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.